Welcome to the Saxon Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lane Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Have you ever kept a sexual secret from a romantic partner before? I polled my Instagram followers about this recently, and 79% of them said they had done so. But my social media followers are anything but unique in this regard. If you look at other studies that have been done on this topic, what you'll see is that most people say they've kept some aspects of their sex lives secret, whether that's a sexual fantasy, the number of people they've had sex with before, or some kind of infidelity that they've committed. So this episode is going to be all about sexual secrets. We're going to explore what the most common sex secrets are, why our secrets tend to focus disproportionately on sex, whether we should reveal sex secrets to our partners and tips on how to do so, as well as the effects of keeping a romantic relationship secret from other people. I am joined by Michael Slepian, an associate professor of leadership and ethics at Columbia University. He has authored more than 50 articles on secrecy, truth, and deception. His latest book is titled The Secret Life of Secrets, How Our Inner Worlds Shape Well-Being, Relationships, and Who We Are. This is going to be an amazing conversation. So stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. The future of sex tech is here. The Handy, made by Sweet Tech, is an automatic stroker designed for self-pleasure. It's a one-size-fits-all device that can be coupled with your masturbation sleeve of choice. Sweet Tech has a wide variety of sleeves to choose from designed to mimic realistic sensations of different partnered activities. The Handy offers precise speed and stroke control, which includes the exact stroke length. It can be remote controlled, and you can even sync it up with video to mimic what's happening on screen. So what you see is what you feel. To get your hands on The Handy, find the link in the show notes or visit thehandy.com. That's thehandy.com. Applications are now open for a new continuing medical education course from the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The course is titled Gender, Sexuality, and Medicine, an Introduction to LGBTQ Plus Competent Care, and it will be held this fall. Both online and in-person attendance options are available. This course is intended for health professionals, and it offers continuing education credits. Please visit kinseyinstitute.org for more information and to register. In the previous episode, we talked about the psychology of secrets in general. So let's talk about sex and relationship secrets specifically. So Michael, let's start with the most common things that people hide about their sex lives. I know from my own research on sexual fantasies that fantasies are a pretty common subject of secrets. But apart from sexual fantasies, what are some of the other kinds of things that we tend to keep secret about our sex lives? Yeah, so there's, of course, specific sexual experiences that there's something juicy there that we don't want people to know about. Sexual interests, certainly consumption of things like pornography. A lot of people don't talk about that or keep that secret from their partners. Sexual history, another one that is one of the, the most common secret people have that they tell not a single person about is just what I call extra relational thoughts. That is, you have, you're in a relationship and you have some kind of romantic thought about another person. That's very common, but for some reason, it is just something we consider a secret and we just don't tell other people about it. Even though it's just a thought, 
Yeah, and that makes total sense. And I think it helps to explain why I get so many emails from people who say, you know, I'm in a relationship with this person, but I'm having fantasies about someone else. What does this mean for my relationship? And do I really want to be with somebody else instead? And will my partner consider it to be cheating if I'm attracted to other people? And so, you know, I, I understand why that's such a common topic of concern. But the reality is that it's normal to be attracted to multiple people. And just because, say, you enter a long-term monogamous relationship, that's not going to shut off any attraction that you might develop to other people. But many of us still feel, even if we recognize that, we still feel pressure to hide that information because we don't want to hurt our partner if that information were to get out. So there are a lot of things that people hide about their sex lives. And we know that people might hide, for example, previous sexual encounters that they've had. But something else you find in your work is that people also keep secrets about the sex they're not having. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this actually really, when I first started this research and we were developing the 38 categories of research, at the time we were doing that, I didn't know I was going to use this list in in every single study I ever run. And so there's things on that list that I never sort of thought too much about until much later. And for example, one common, one of the very common secret people have is not currently having sex. And just to give you an idea of how common that secret is, it's much more common than sexual infidelity as a secret. So it's a pretty common experience. I, I think we think it out there in this world that people are having more sex than they actually are. I think people keep secret how little sex they have at certain points in, in, in life. So it's actually a, a really common secret as well, This the sex we're not having. So it's fascinating. We keep secrets about the sex we're having and the sex we're not having. And so in looking at this very long list of things that people tend to keep secret, you know, we see sexual stuff is pretty high up there. So why is that? You know, why do secrets disproportionately focus on sex? And part of it might be what I just mentioned about, you know, we're concerned about hurting our partner, but what are some of the other reasons or motivators that kind of push sex pretty high up there? I think one reason why we're very reticent to talk about sex and sexual experiences, and even to the point of intending to keep those experiences secret, is we just find it an uncomfortable topic of conversation. And I don't think it's only because of the content of what we're talking about, although that's certainly a a large part of it. I, I just think because it's in most social circles, that's not the kind of thing you talk about. It's really easy to infer this is not something I should talk about, or this wouldn't be appropriate to talk about, even when you're just like with friends. And, you know, we can say like, maybe you shouldn't talk about sex at work, but we seem to have that policy so often in in most any domains. And that includes when there's something you could use somebody's input on. For some reason, it just feels impolite to talk about it for many people. And that can quickly carry over into secrecy. Yeah. So sex, just in many settings, is often this taboo topic of conversation, or at least people will perceive it that way. And so they don't bring it up or or talk about it. Then there's also the concern about the partner reaction. There might be your own complicated feelings about sex. So there could be a lot of shame, embarrassment, or anxiety that might be holding you back. So I think there can be all kinds of things that are attached to sexual aspects of our lives that kind of compel us to to keep them secret from others. And as I'm thinking more about this as we're talking, you know, these sexual secrets that we hide can be things that we perceive as negative about our sexual history. You know, for example, experiences with sexual victimization or violence, that is 
a common thing that people tend to hide from others, including their romantic partners. But you can also have positive sexual secrets where maybe, for example, there was this really great sexual experience you had with someone, but you don't want to tell your current partner about it because maybe they were a better lover than your current partner is. So, right, it's a positive secret for you in terms of you're looking back on it and the reflection that you have, but you don't want to share it because, again, there's that concern about maybe hurting your partner's feelings, right? How do you bring up that a former lover is better than your current lover without necessarily leading to some type of conflict? But anyway, so I've seen some research on sexual secrets that points to gender differences in the kinds of information that they tend to hide. Now, across gender, everybody tends to hide infidelity. But when you start looking at other aspects of sex, some differences emerge. For example, men are more likely to hide pornography use than women are. And women are more likely to hide sex toy use than men are. So I'm curious in your work, did you find any gender differences in the sexual secrets that people hide? I'm sure those differences are in my data just waiting to be discovered. I, I bet you're right that I would see that in my own data there. I, I think there, there's two ways in which we can find these sort of gender differences, I think. One is what, you're, what we're just talking about, where the, how taboo this is differs by your gender or in, in perceptions. We perceive this, you know, this one thing to be more normal or, or less normal for a given gender, and that affects whether we keep it secret. I think another thing that can drive gender differences in secrets that we keep is the different experiences we have in the first place. And so, you know, if if there's something that is just a much more common experience to men to have that's in that's in the sex domain, we have a greater chance of keeping it secret. If it's a very rare experience, fewer people can have that secret. Another thing I wanted to mention on this very topic is I think another reason why we're more likely to keep sex issues secret is because there's another person implicated in the information. And so one reason why you might not feel comfortable talking about a sexual experience with a third party is it's not clear whether you're allowed to. It's really unclear who owns that information. I, I, I know couples and that, are, that would say like, no, you cannot talk about this with other people. That's not your secret to talk about. It's it's our secret. And, and I wouldn't want you talking about our sex lives with, with other people. And so there's this extra complication when there's another person involved and it's unclear what you're allowed to discuss with other people. And I think that also will hold us back. That resonates with me a lot. You know, as somebody who is a public facing sex educator and researcher, you know, I tend not to talk too much about my relationship because I'm with somebody who is not a public facing sex educator or researcher, right? And so my sexual information that I would share is also my partner's sexual information. And it's sort of like, in a lot of ways, I would like to talk more about myself and my experiences, but there's also that issue of you know, I don't want to do anything that would upset my partner or think that, you know, that wasn't something that should be shared in a public setting. So it's certainly something that I struggle with a lot in the course of the work that I do. But I appreciate what you brought up about, you know, the gender differences and what might be driving that. 
you know, yes, there are differences in base rates. And so, for example, we know that with pornography use, men tend to use that at a much higher level than women do. So it makes sense that it's going to become a subject of secrecy more often for men than it is for women. And by the same token, women tend to use sex toys more than men do. So again, you've got that difference in base rates. And there are a lot of men who, if their partner is using a sex toy, we're talking about heterosexual cisgender partners here, you know, a lot of men who will feel threatened if their partner's using a sex toy. So I think that's part of what is explaining all of this. But then there's also what you mentioned, the differences in the taboos across genders. And we know infidelity is a pretty big taboo across genders. So it makes sense that that's this big subject of secrecy for both men and women. But for some of these other types of behaviors, certain things are more taboo for one gender than another. So that explanation makes a lot of sense to me. Now, infidelity is one of the most common sexual secrets, and that makes sense because when you look at people's attitudes toward it, they're pretty negative, and that has not really changed over time. Yet, a heck of a lot of people cheat at some point. You know, if you look at stats on married couples, it's a one in four to one in five people who report having cheated at some point in their relationship. But we know, of course, cheating can look very different across relationships because different people have different types of agreements about what is and isn't allowed. But it seems to me that many types of infidelity are becoming harder to hide because we're leaving more digital footprints. But that's not just true of infidelity, right? It's through text messages and search histories, our sexual secrets more broadly seem to be easier to discover these days. So I'm curious for your take on this. Do you think it's harder to keep sexual secrets in this modern world where we have all of these digital footprints with regard to search histories and where we go and so forth? I think so. One predictor of infidelity is traveling for work. And so infidelity, you know, of course it has many causes, but you know, one thing that makes infidelity more likely is just opportunity to cheat. And so folks who travel more for work have more opportunities to cheat and they do. And you shouldn't be freaking out if your partner travels for work all of a sudden. <laughs> it's, you know, these are, we're talking very small effects here, but, you know, you think about the olden days when like a long distance phone call costs more money, you know, it's way more easier to check in today with your partner. And so for that reason, that's one example where, you know, probably that link is getting lower and lower where now it's a lot harder to sort of hide your activities. You know, you know, why didn't you answer my phone call for hours and hours? It's, I think you're right that it's easily more easy to stay connected and that makes it harder to keep that kind of secret. And certainly things like search histories and so on, you know, now all of a sudden you're like, I guess I should close my laptop when I'm, you know, I, I think it's easy to, to start thinking about the, the paper trials. Yeah. And if you're with somebody who is very motivated to try and uncover your sexual secrets, they simply have a lot more opportunities to do that now, whether that's looking at credit card charges or calls or text messages or computer search histories. Uh, you know, some people go to extreme lengths and, you know, will even install key tracking devices on their partner's computer so that they can see what it is that they're looking for, even if they're deleting their search history. So we have much more in the way of tools that where we can monitor our partners. And so I think that that is actually making it harder to keep a lot of sexual secrets than it was in the past. But since we were talking here about infidelity, 
I want to ask for your take on when it comes to confessing infidelity, right? Because this is something a lot of people struggle with. You know, maybe you committed infidelity and you feel really badly about it. Some people don't feel badly about it. But, you know, that question often arises of when and how you should confess infidelity to a partner. So as somebody who has studied secrets, what are your thoughts on that? Things that come to mind right away is, well, first of all, this is like the hardest version of this question as to whether you should reveal a secret because it, it's so consequential. And for, for many people, infidelity is a deal breaker. And so a, a like one outcome is your relationship is over. <laughs> and so it's, it's really tough to think about how to balance that with, you know, promises or expectations of honesty and openness. And so one thing that is worth considering is, was this a one-time thing? Uh, I think most people agree if it was not a one-time thing, if you were repeatedly cheating on your partner, that's, I think most psychologists would say, is, is not an appropriate secret to keep. If this is a pattern of behavior, if it was a one-time thing, you can start seeing the temptation to keep it and you can start spinning versions of yourself on why this is good for the relationship. And so, so if it's a repeat thing, that means there's a problem at hand and that problem needs to be addressed in some way. If it was a one-time thing, I think the next question to ask yourself is, well, why do you want to reveal this secret? Is it just that you want to lift this burden off your, you know, off your shoulders? The, the risk there is you're just taking that burden off you and just placing it right onto your partner. And so some people will say that if it was a one-time thing, you know, this is Dan Savage's advice, it's not going to ever happen again he would say it's okay to keep it a secret because you can protect your partner from this thing that you can never take back. Do you want them to have to live with this forever themselves? You know, if it's, if it's difficult for you to live with it, like think about what it would do to, to your partner. Another question though, I, I think that leaving it there, I think is, is not appropriate. I think there's one last question you need to ask yourself, which is would your partner want to know? And, you know, I've asked this question like at parties and, and some people are like, yeah, I would, I would, I would never want to know that. And other people say, no, I would a hundred percent want to know that even if it would just blow up my relationship. And so it's a really hard question to answer without asking your partner, but I can tell you some data where I asked 300 people in committed relationships. Imagine that your partner was traveling out of town in a total lapse of judgment, they get drunk, they cheated on you. This has never happened before. This will never happen again. One time thing. Would you want to know? And 77% of my participants said yes. I thought that number was going to be lower. Whatever the true number is, the, the point remains. Some people would want to know and some people wouldn't want to know. And so when you have this kind of secret, if you think your partner would absolutely want to know, it's maybe not fair to not give them the choice there. You're kind of taking away a choice from them by keeping it a secret. So this is all very hard and complicated. And so my my most, my, the one last thing I want to say here is there is 100% no reason that you should deal with this entirely alone. It's just too complicated. There's too many things to think about. And I think you should talk to someone else, someone you trust, someone who will keep the secret safe and see what they think. It's just so hard to be with this situation alone. It is such a tough question to answer. You know, I appreciate all the thoughtfulness that that you put into it. And I recognize that different people are going to have drastically different feelings about this. And some people who would say, 
absolutely, if any infidelity occurred, it should immediately be disclosed because that's non-consensual. It's a violation of trust. There's potential risk to the partner in terms of STI transmission and so forth, right? We know that cheating tends to be a high-risk behavior. You know, even if it was just a one-time thing, we know that most people don't use condoms when they commit infidelity and so forth. So I understand there are some people who would take an absolutist view and say, absolutely, it should be disclosed. But on the other hand, there are going to be some people who would say, you know, if it was a one-time thing, I just wouldn't want to know because it's going to blow up the relationship. And they might be thinking about this in the context of kids that they have and shared assets and plans for the future and so forth. And maybe they don't want to start over if, you know, 20 or 30 years down the road with a new relationship and so forth. So it's just a complex question. I don't think there's an answer you can give that's going to satisfy everyone in every case, every situation, other than to just say it's complicated. <laughs> so people often enter long-term relationships without telling their partner their entire sexual history. And I think people often struggle with what information their partner really needs to know versus what they should keep private. And I'm curious if you have any general thoughts on this, because it's just sort of a tricky area for a lot of people. You know, how do you know what you should and shouldn't share about your sexual history with a partner? The things that people aren't very comfortable discussing with their partners and maybe the, the line, you know, things that people don't need to know about are just the intimate details of those prior relationships. You can imagine wanting to disclose the existence of certain relationships, but you don't necessarily need to get into the nitty gritty details. Most folks find, I find at least in the, you know, in the research and my own experience, they don't want the intimate facts. They just kind of want the like, the cliff notes. <laughs> um, and it's because we don't really want, most people don't want to imagine their partner in, in, you know, in these other situations with other people. And so I think it's the higher level information you might want to pass on without sort of painting the picture. Right. So there's the information that is directly relevant to them. And, you know, this could also include if you have a sexually transmitted infection, you know, that's the kind of thing that you would want to disclose. But also if we're talking about what are your sexual interests, what are the things that you really want to do in your sex life? It's a pretty important thing to talk about with a partner. You know, I know many people have ended up in these long-term relationships where one partner has a kink that they never shared with their partner and they only discover it 10, 20, 30 years into the relationship by accident. And then it feels like this huge betrayal because they didn't really know each other sexually, right? So, you know, when there is something that is really important to you in terms of a sexual interest, finding a way to disclose that, discuss that earlier on in the relationship is usually a good idea to avoid that situation of ending up in the future where your partner feels betrayed and is questioning everything about your sex life at that point. Now, let's talk about relationship secrets for a bit. So some people hide their romantic relationships from their family, their friends, or even the entire world. And there's some research to suggest that maybe keeping a relationship secret is exciting, but there's also work to suggest that maybe it's stressful and burdensome. So I'm curious for your take on the research, what are the effects of keeping a romantic relationship secret? My understanding of this literature, and that includes your research as well, is that, yeah, early on keeping relationship secret, that's okay. That can be fun. That can be exciting. You know, you could be thinking like, well, you know, who knows where this is going yet? And maybe I want to have a fuller understanding of what this looks like before I start talking about it. I think that kind of secrecy isn't harmful. But if you are keeping a secret, a relationship secret 
for a very long time, it's hard to see how that's going to be okay. That's going to come with negative consequences. Maybe some of the negative consequences we see for secrecy generally, but I think experiences beyond that where, you know, especially if your partner ever finds out that you're keeping their relationship secret or you want to keep it secret, but they don't, that's really going to hurt them. Yeah. So I've done a few studies in this area of relationship secrecy. And in the context of an ongoing long-term relationship, it does seem to be stressful to, to do this, to maintain that secret. And in some ways, it might also prevent you from getting really close and intimate with your partner because you kind of have to put up these walls or barriers to intimacy in some way. For example, you can't engage in public displays of affection or have those couple photos or throuples, you know, depending on how many people are in the relationship, we know that people who are consensually non-monogamous are actually even more likely to keep their relationship secret because there's a lot of stigma against polyamory and sexually open relationships. So you kind of, in some ways, have to have this barrier to intimacy when you're keeping a relationship secret, which can get stressful. And I did a longitudinal study. It was one year following people who were keeping their relationship secret. I never got around to publishing it because after leaving graduate school, I just got too busy and some projects kind of fell by the side. But in this long-term study, I found that people who kept their relationship secret were more likely to break up after a year. And in part, that's just due to kind of the stress of having to hide the relationship. And, you know, there's also a qualitative study I did. This was part of my dissertation research, and it was supposed to be in the final publication, but the editor of the journal just wasn't a fan of qualitative research. And so they asked me to take it out. And I was always, you know, bummed and disappointed that it never made it in. But one of the things I did in that study was to ask people, why are you keeping it secret? Because I think that's such an important question. And there were some people who said what you mentioned about, well, it's kind of a trial period. You know, I want to see how this goes before I kind of publicly commit to being in a relationship with someone else. And, you know, that's one motive, you know, valid reason for maybe keeping a relationship secret. But for others, there are much bigger concerns, you know, that if my relationship were disclosed or discovered, that I might lose my job or that, you know, something else bad would, would happen, you know, and also some people live in cultures where their relationship would be illegal. Let's say if they're in a same-sex relationship in a country or culture where same-sex relations are illegal, maybe even punishable by death, right? You know, that's the only way that they can keep an intimate connection to someone else is by hiding their relationship. So, you know, there are all different kinds of motivations and you can see how in different cases it might be more versus less stressful. But I think sort of this idea that, you know, sneaking around is inherently exciting. It's not true for everybody, maybe in the early stages of a relationship, maybe in the context of an affair. But, you know, for the most part, secrecy, I think, seems a little bit more burdensome in the context of ongoing relationships. So if you're keeping a relationship secret, when should you think about disclosing it? <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this? I think, you know, you don't have to think about a secret as like entirely kept or entirely revealed. There's all this space in between. And I think a good way to get started is you consider, you know, start testing the waters, reveal it to a best friend or reveal it to your friend group, you know, maybe see how that goes. And maybe eventually you'll be okay to reveal it to family. And then maybe even later to, to coworkers, you don't have to shout it at the rooftops and, and tell everyone all at once. And so I, I think you can sort of selectively try it out and see how that goes. And I think that can be good advice for any secret to kind of do the slow reveal, right? Where you get a chance to kind of 
test the waters, see how it unfolds over time, what other people's reactions are. Because going back to what we discussed in the previous episode, I think we often expect much worse outcomes than we're going to actually experience. And so you might be pleasantly surprised in the process of sharing these types of secrets. Now, we're running short on time, but I have one other area that I wanted to discuss with you, which is whether you have any tips on sharing intimate secrets. Let's say you have a secret you've been keeping from your partner about a sexual desire you have, or maybe it's just something in your sexual history that you want to share with them, but you haven't really found a way to do it. Do you have any tips on how to just start those difficult conversations and share this information with a partner? What can be so difficult about that situation if the norm in your relationship is that you don't talk about sex, which is very normal, it, it's hard to imagine any scenario where it wouldn't all of a sudden be awkward to all of a sudden be talking about it. Ways that might reduce that awkwardness, <laughs> you've had a few drinks and, you're, and your partner has two, and you know that if that's your situation, that that's one way. Another way, and this can sound cheesy, but I think it really works, or I know it really works, is finding some kind of game to play um, where there's like questions, you know, maybe a few different questions written down on sheets of paper and you throw them into a hat. And that, you know, your partner might be like, you want to do what? <laughs> but it really, it really works. I, it's hard, you know, then it's like, it's the game that has led you to ask this question. I find that to be an effective way. I think Esther Perel has one of these games as well. And after a few rounds, it starts feeling totally not awkward and, and you're totally free to talk about things you just would never talk about before. If you're just waiting for that moment to like ask the question, it's going to never come in, in most cases if the norm is that this isn't the kind of thing we talk about. So my advice is something like that game approach. And if you're waiting for that perfect moment to arise when you can have this talk, you're right, it's probably just not going to spontaneously happen. So you have to create an opportunity and a space. And for something like sharing a sexual desire, having a game can be a very effective way of disclosing that information. For other types of sexual information, it might require a different path, but it's all about finding ways to normalize those conversations about sex so that you can get that information out there, especially if we're talking about a secret you've been holding that feels very burdensome to you. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Michael. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your latest book? Yes, you could go to michaelslepian.com. That's just my name, where you can learn about some of the research and learn about the different categories of secrets, of course, about the book too. If you go to keepingsecrets.org, you can take the survey yourself of those 38 different categories of secrets, and then it'll show you how your secrets compare to other people of the same age and gender. And of course, you can look up the book, The Secret Life of Secrets. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.